0: Welcome to the Everyday Sublime podcast, shedding light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers. I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, and I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga. Chinese medicine and meditation. In each episode, I will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections will support both your practice and or your teaching of Yin Yoga and meditation. In this episode, I wanna give you a clear explanation of the first of the four principles of practicing Yin Yoga, namely, coming into a posture and playing your edge. In discussing this principle, I'll be exploring these key concepts, the target areas of a posture, the appropriate and inappropriate sensations in a yin yoga posture, and the difference between yin yoga and restorative yoga, as well as why I de-emphasize stillness in my teaching of yin yoga postures. Okay, so let's begin. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to come into a posture and play your edge when you're practicing yin yoga. The first thing that we do in any yin yoga posture is come into an edge where we feel mild and moderate sensations of stress in the area of the body that we are intending to target. The general yin yoga community tends to refer to this area of the body as the quote-unquote target area, and I'll continue with that phrase here. So what is a target area, or what are the target areas of a pose? The target area is the region of the body that we are intending to positively stress and influence by the practice and execution of our posture. Based on the understanding of functional alignment, that is an approach to alignment that focuses on the functional effects of a posture as opposed to the aesthetic look of a posture, one of the interesting things about building our postures around the intention to stimulate a specific target area is that several people or students might be targeting the same area of the body, but the means by how they go about doing that might look quite different. In other words, a handful of yogis could be stimulating the same target area, but from the outside, it might look as though they were all in different versions of the same posture. Now, this is an inversion of the more conventional approach to postures, where everyone is encouraged to look a particular way. In yin yoga, however, and increasingly in other styles too, there is much more emphasis placed on the practitioner's understanding of how their body is uniquely influenced by the pose, and then from that understanding, making wiser choices about how to align themselves within the pose. So the first principle of coming into a posture in yin yoga is to align the body around the intention of where you as the practitioner are intending to stress the body, i.e. the target area. Now, where this might start to get confusing is when we consider that most postures will have multiple potential target areas. That is, in each pose, there may be multiple areas of the body that might be positively receiving stimulation and stress. And, depending on the phase of the posture, some target areas will be emphasized more than others. Now, let me clarify what I mean by phase of a posture. By phase, I'm referring to what stage of the pose you're in. Each posture might have multiple phases or stages of playing one's edge. For example, when you first come into a seated forward fold, say your range of motion might only be 20 degrees of flexion, but as your body starts to unwind over time during the four to five minute hold, you might progress to 30 to 40 degrees of flexion. So each pose might have multiple phases and different target areas might be highlighted more or less at each phase. Again, in the example of the forward fold, In the first phase you might come forward and feel more sensation in the lower back so the lower back would be the target area during that time but as the tension releases you might go to a deeper phase of the pose and feel less sensation in the lower back but yet an increased sensation in your hamstrings or backs of your legs which would then become the new target area additionally depending on individual variations in body type, some people will have access to only certain target areas, and others not so much access at all, while still others might be feeling sensation in all the potential target areas. Now, I often hear students express confusion when they aren't able to feel sensation in one of the potential target areas. They assume if they aren't feeling it in a region that I listed as a potential target area, that they're somehow doing something wrong. So let me be clear as possible here. Each pose will have multiple potential target areas. In practice, you might access significant sensation in one or multiple of these target areas in any given pose. But just because a posture has multiple potential target areas does not mean that you must, as a rule, that you must feel all those potential target areas in your posture. You might just feel one target area at a time, or you might feel a few of the potential target areas at a time or if you've been working at a posture for a while, you might not experience significant sensation in any of the target areas. In this latter case, your practice in that particular pose will have shifted into more of a maintenance practice where you are maintaining your capacity to move and explore that particular range of motion, but you're no longer practicing to attain that capacity. Now, once you have orchestrated your body in a yin yoga pose to emphasize mild and moderate stress in a particular targeted area, then it is important to identify what kinds of sensation are appropriate to be with and what kinds of sensations are inappropriate. Okay, so let's talk about sensations now. One of the very challenging things about practicing and teaching yin yoga is developing an appreciation for the practice specific sensations that are encouraged in yin yoga. In general, With yin yoga, we are intending to feel non-neutral sensations that might be characterized by the following adjectives. You might feel a mild or moderate achiness, or a dull, slightly bitter sensation, or a broad, diffuse, and slightly unpleasant sensation. These qualities of sensation are often new to students when they come to yin yoga. They aren't used to being told to encourage these sensations, let alone soak into these sensations for several minutes. So as a yin yoga instructor, it is of vital importance to educate students about these kinds of appropriate sensations. Now, for some students, descriptive terms like achiness or dull bitterness or diffuse pressure, these terms are helpful. But for other students, they might benefit more from evaluating their experience against a sensation scale, where zero would indicate there's absolutely no sensation going on, and ten would indicate that there's some kind of unbearable excruciating pain. Now in this kind of spectrum of sensation, I suggest that the appropriate sensation in a yin yoga pose lies somewhere between a 2 to 4 or 2 to 5 if possible. This is the general range that we seek out in yin yoga, somewhere between a 2 and a 5 on a sensation scale. Granted, each person will experience sensation in accordance to their own unique subjective threshold. That's always an issue. So the use of the scale Or the use of the sensation scale is meant to be held very lightly. Another way of evaluating whether you're at the appropriate edge or you're working with sensations that are appropriate is to consider how you're breathing. So another barometer for appropriate sensation is one's experience of the breath. If a student or you require a full deep directed breath to sustain your ability to stay in the pose, I suggest that this might indicate that the edge that you're at is just too intense. In other words, I recommend that the student should be able to breathe in a normal and relaxed way. That should be an option at least. Whether you choose to breathe normally is another issue and something that the student may or may not choose to do. And I'll explore that in another lesson, How to Breathe in Yin Yoga. But they should be able to breathe naturally. If breathing aggressively or deep as though you're breathing through the intense sensation, if that's the only option that you have, then I feel this indicates you're at an edge that is just too aggressive for your tissues capacity to tolerate the stress of the pose and that you should do the wise thing and back out of the posture, settling into a milder edge. Now inevitably the question comes up, what's the difference between yin yoga and restorative yoga? And there is a bit of confusion out there because many teachers are teaching a hybrid class, which they're perfectly uh, free to do. There's no problem with teaching a hybridized yin yoga and restorative class. But the distinctions between these two styles does tend to get a little bit blurred. So, seeking out this yin-specific type of sensation, dull, moderate, mild achiness, is really what distinguishes yin yoga from restorative yoga. Take this as a very general rule of thumb. In yin yoga, we are intending to place appropriate levels of stress on the tissues, or on the targeted tissues. In restorative yoga, however, the intention is usually to avoid significant stress and sensation. Rather, in restorative yoga, you would open up and support the body with props as a way to calm, relax, and nourish the system. Now, confusion crops up when the two people might be in the same exact pose, in the same exact range of motion and configuration. From an outsider's perspective, these two practitioners would look like they were in the same exact posture in terms of both prop use and achieved range of motion. But internally, their experience might be entirely different. One yogini might feel yin-characteristic sensations of dull achiness in one or many of the potential targeted areas. The other yogini might feel only the slightest hint of extremely mild sensation. In other words, not very much sensation at all. The first yogini would be practicing what we call yin yoga, that is experiencing mild stress while in a pose. The second yogini would be practicing restorative yoga, that is no stress during the pose. But they look from the outside to be identical. Once again, what the yogini looks like in a pose is the least reliable factor in evaluating what they are experiencing in a pose. And I can't emphasize this enough, that teachers must engage in a dialogue with their students In order to understand what their students are experiencing. This conversation will best help facilitate the teacher and the student to make the best decisions for what that student should do in their practice. So once people have an idea about what sensations are appropriate in yin yoga, namely mild and moderate stresses that could be slightly achy or bitter, students also need to be made aware of what sensations are not okay. These inappropriate sensations include pain, numbness, tingling, So let's start with pain. Pain in any shape or form is to be avoided always. There is a difference between mild and moderate stress and the kinds of intense painful stresses that lead to injury. Let pain be the signal that the experience you're having in a pose is moving towards injury and to back out immediately. Included in the category of pain might be sensations such as intense burning, stabbing, electrical sensation, or throbbing. Or, pain might also manifest mentally. Things like extreme agitation, what I sometimes joke is homicidal or suicidal rumination, or just overwhelming anxiety. When pain in any form is present, the practitioner has two sensible options. Either to back off a bit to a more mild edge, if that's possible, or to exit the pose entirely and wait until the next posture. Staying at a threshold that produces pain might result in injury, and I make it clear that the practitioner or student must take responsibility for their experience. If you override the signal of pain and bear the pose too long with an attitude of stoic fortitude, you risk injury. Yogis and yoginis must take full responsibility for their experience. Okay, so what about numbness and tingling? Generally speaking, numbness and sometimes tingling indicates that the orientation Or alignment of the body is causing a nerve entrapment which is creating the experience of numbness. Less commonly the numbness may be caused by vascular constriction, but either way numbness is also to be avoided. But often small readjustments or subtle reorientations of the limbs, particularly at the pelvis and shoulder girdle, can mitigate numbness. But if modifications of alignment fail to mitigate the numbness, Once again, the student should exit the pose and either select a different pose or wait out the remaining time in a rest position, such as child's pose or shavasana. Okay, I want to talk about a special note for teachers around why I de-emphasize being still in postures. There's a reason why I don't emphasize being still as the most important facet of practicing yin yoga, and it's this. I feel that if a teacher overemphasizes stillness in the way that they articulate the practice to students, it becomes all too easy for students to internalize an ideal of stillness into the way that they practice. The result of this internalized ideal of stillness is that the students may feel like they are not practicing correctly if they move or if they shift while they are in the pose for the prescribed period of time. In other words, they stay still as a commandment. And this kind of rule against moving can easily lead to a situation where the student is staying in a pose past their appropriate edge, past their tolerance for stress, setting the stage for injury. So because of this, in my teaching, I recommend and encourage emphasis on playing one's edge over remaining still. And there are two main components to playing one's edge. First, in the event that the sensations one is experiencing in a posture simmer above the tolerable level of moderate to mild achiness, It then becomes imperative that the student back out to a gentler, more modest edge. Here the student would shift out of the pose and move to a more appropriate range of motion or alignment where the sensations shift into the range of moderate to mild. This is an example of making progress by retreating. In the case where a student is not able to find an edge where the sensations are moderate and mild, it's important that the student either come out of the pose entirely or seek help from a teacher to find a different posture, or they could just rest in a neutral pose for the remainder of the time. So that's one component of playing one's edge. The second component is going deeper into a pose. Half of playing one's edge is knowing when to back off, and the other half is knowing to safely and appropriately go deeper into a pose. In this case, If you settle into a posture for a minute or two and find that the intensity of sensation diminishes dramatically, it is then helpful to consider going more deeply into the pose. Now this deepening of the pose, in other words increasing the range of motion of the pose, is a natural response to the way the body begins to adapt to the postural stress. As the muscles and deeper connective tissues start to release and give way to the stresses being placed upon them, One then needs to adjust in order to now maintain that mild, modest stress being placed upon them. So in this case, going further in the pose is part of a natural unfolding, and it's not driven by egotistical grasping or striving. The one caveat to this last point is that sometimes the strong sensations of a pose will fade and it simply won't be possible to find a deeper edge that generates more sensation. In this case, the student will likely have maxed out of their normal range of emotion. And the intention of their practice should now shift to that of a maintenance practice i'll say more about that in the lesson attainment practice versus maintenance practice okay i'll stop there for now and in the next episode of everyday sublime i'll discuss the second of the four main principles of how to practice yin yoga that is relaxing the muscles in the pose though this is a foundational concept of yin yoga it's always worth a review of some of these basic concepts so you can practice yin yoga safely and intelligently. I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with the Everyday Sublime podcast, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link in the show notes for you, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll talk with you in the next episode.